Welcome to episode 12 of the Vibrant You Health Show with Blake Bars. Blake wants to extend a big thank you to Dr. Artis for taking the time to share all of his vital and timely information with him. Dr. Brian Artis is the founder of Artist Labs and Artist Healing Center and the host of the Dr. Artis Show, which has gone viral over the last several months. I'm sure you'll find out why once you get to listening to this episode. You can watch this interview on video along with all VYHS episodes at naturespantry.life and be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast to help get the word out. It really does help. You can also give us a follow on Facebook at naturespantrylg and Instagram at naturespantry.life. Please stay tuned after the show for our medical disclaimer. Now on to the show. Oh, we didn't record all this amazing discussion. Just kidding. <laughs> all right. Welcome, everybody, to episode 12 of the Vibrant You Health Show with Dr. Brian Artis. Thank you so much, Dr. Artis, for being with me tonight. I'm humbled and honored to have you on the show. Well, we're excited that I'm on your show, buddy. I'm excited about this. <laughs> Thanks. You, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So... Um, for those of you who don't know, Dr. Brian Artis is the founder of Artist Labs, an artist healing center, and the host of the Dr. Artis Show, which has gone viral over the last several months. I must say, Dr. Artis, I'm a big fan of your show and your approach, and um, I just want to say thank you for fighting a good fight and for sticking your neck on the line on a daily basis, and I want to thank you, sir. Your courage is courageous. Or, sorry, your courage is contagious. Well, thank you very much. I actually have enjoyed and loved helping to educate as many people as possible and warn them. So um, in your bio, well, first, please tell me just a little bit about your background and your history. Sure. So uh, I actually am a chiropractor, acupuncturist, and clinical nutritionist. I ran two practices, one in, they were both my practices, but uh, from 2004 to 2018, I had a practice in Tennessee, Maryville, Tennessee, just south of Knoxville for five years, sold that in 2009, opened up a practice here in Dallas, Texas from 2009 to 2018. I sold it three years ago. Uh, in that office in Frisco alone, we were able to serve 15,000 patients from 16 different countries. I specialized, my entire practice specialized with reversing autoimmune diseases, uh, and I got very good at it. So there's... Uh, there's almost not any medical condition you've been diagnosed with that can't actually be cured naturally. But that's not what you're being told. We just did it over and over and over again and got really good at it. Then I decided in 2018, I was going to sell my practice and allowed the three doctors who I actually trained over the last five years to take, to buy the practice from me, take it over and allow me to consult them on difficult cases while I went out and educated the public on how you heal, how you stay healthy, and then create nutritional products on my own, which the company Artist Labs is a company me and my wife launched in 2019 and uh, decided that the first thing I was going to do was address uh, an issue that affects 610 million people worldwide. And it's unnecessary. And that's actually called acne. We have four teenagers currently, and each of them had various amounts of acne. And over the last uh, three years, I developed a formula to actually reverse acne from the inside out. And I learned from research studies and clinical experience for the last 20 years. I treated a lot of people with acne in different ages. But this applies also to the discussion we're going to have tonight. Acne is actually caused by one thing and one thing only. And that's a combination of mineral and vitamin deficiencies that actually cause your estrogen hormone levels to go up above normal, which is what happens during puberty. 
So you have these minerally deficient teenagers, their estrogen's going up above normal as puberty's kicking up their hormones. It's called androgen hormones. And as a result of excess estrogen, your skin produces more oil than it should and it gets trapped inside of your pores faster than can actually seep it out. And if you actually feed the body the mineral and vitamins you're deficient in within two to three weeks, within a month, you can actually reverse all acne people have. So I created what's called the Artist Acne System. You can find it at artistlabs.com. But where I spend the majority of my time is uh, with the Dr. Artist Show. I launched a, a show called the Dr. Artist Show, the D-R-A-R-D-I-S show.com in May of 2020. All of it was around some of the stuff we'll talk about right now, but it's now been a launching pad to educate as many people worldwide and try to protect them and then inspire them of how to actually improve their health uh, and then stay warned of where the dangers lie. That's so cool. Um, I, I didn't know some of that about your story um, as far as um, how you really work to heal people naturally. And, and that's how you kind of started out. And then um, I'm, I'm so, I didn't know that about acne was a deficiency. That's really cool. Um, so I assume your product is probably um, vitamins and minerals. And it is. So we started out with what's called the uh, artist clear skin complex, which is a dietary supplement. And this actually has all the minerals and vitamins you need, even from research studies. If you actually go on my site, artistlabs.com, there's a tab called proof. It has 50 studies over the last 50 years that prove each and every one of those ingredients outperforms pharmaceutical drugs to beat acne. Wow. And I combined them all in one supplement and it's amazing. It's, get, it's miraculous. Can I get those for our store? Absolutely. We're actually setting up right now. Uh, I actually released as a result of all the media response and all the followers that we have and questions about what products to use. We launched a whole brand with our uh, Artist Labs company. It lives on the Dr. Artist Show site. But if you want to go review that underneath the shop now button, I've actually released another 13 individual supplements to go along with my Artist Acne system. And we're actually looking for affiliated sponsors, as many as possible to help us actually do rev share with sales. We can give you a promo code. You allow us to continue to educate your audience. Let us come on every, every once in a while to educate on the topics that these actual individual ingredients handle. Uh, like for example, there's a prostate product I have. It's called Prostate Pro. I actually developed this formula three years ago and had a manufacturer make me my own bottles, 24 bottles only. And I've been using it exclusively for four, three years now. Wow. Within two months, issues I had prostate wise, which was dribbling when I urinate, getting up to have to pee at night. That started when I was 40. Within two months of taking this, this supplement, I have never had a single night where I had to get up to go pee again. No dribbling whatsoever after two months. And I will take this the rest of my life to actually protect from ever developing an enlarged prostate, which most men will develop in this country and definitely will protect you from ever having prostate cancer. So as a result of the effectiveness of that, I just released about a month and a half ago, my actual formula with my own label for artist labs. This is an example of something I'm trying to make sure everybody understands. Number one, you don't need pharmaceuticals. Number two, you don't need a medical doctor most of the time at all. And you can actually do most things naturally, which I'm sure nature's pantry is aware of and has been educating people on, but you can use plants. You can lose, use minerals, herbs, homeopathics without the deadly side effects of drugs. And I guarantee everything I actually produce. So if you're interested in that, we'll set that up. Yeah, absolutely. I will definitely reach out to your team on that. Uh, great. I'd love to have those. Hey, so your bio on your website, the drartistshow.com says that you are on a mission to help educate the public about the danger to Americans in many of our institutes of health. And you are passionate about exposing the corruption 
of the medical system and the powers that be in this country. Could you elaborate on this a little for the audience? And would you be willing to talk about um, what happened with your father-in-law? Yeah. Uh, I'm really sorry to, for your loss and your family's loss. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah, it was uh, devastating actually. So as I mentioned with my history, it was one-on-one uh, -on -one in practice, dealing with families around the world that were coming to Frisco, Texas and Tennessee for my help. And we would watch them over a three month, six month period, year long period, reverse all their conditions and medical improvements to everything they had. So I got very good at evaluating how the human body works, educate people on what to expect as the body heals or detoxes or removes infections that are inside their body. Uh, and just, just for example, just so you know, for example, most autoimmune diseases in this country are caused by two things and two things only, chemical toxicities from the environment and parasite infections in your body. And we got very good at identifying these parasites and getting them out of the body within two to three months and then seeing things like lupus, fibromyalgia, uh, diabetes, uh, polycystic ovarian disease, all these things just reverse themselves within just a couple months when you eliminate the infections. This is the kind of stuff I did for years. But when the body eliminates toxins, eliminates infections, there's systems the body uses to do that. So I got very good at analyzing, educating, and coaching patients through that detox and through that uh, die-off process and then the repair process. Well, in early February 2020, uh, very first week, my wife's dad, who she's sitting right here, say hi. 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 <laughs> so this is Jane. It's her dad that died. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. So she likes to sit and listen and support me and everything I'm doing. But uh, her dad walked into a hospital in Dallas, Texas with fever and a headache. Uh, and he lived independently, but uh, walked right into the hospital. Totally. And everything's fine, except he's got fever and a headache. They diagnosed him on day one with the flu, called us on day two to tell us now he had pneumonia. Day three, they called us to say now he had acute kidney failure. Day five, they called us to tell us he was going in and out of consciousness. And that's when my wife and I, for the first time, went up to the hospital to see him on the night of the 5th. And the reason why we didn't go up before that, I'm just going to tell you, we were in Dallas. But the reason why we didn't go up to the hospital before that is because my wife's mother, she actually, three days before her dad walked into a hospital, she had fallen and broken a vertebrae in her neck and was at a rehab center. And that rehab center in Dallas said, since we're hearing that your dad, Jane, is in another hospital here in Dallas and has the flu. We do not want you and your husband, me, going to that hospital and possibly bringing the flu back to this rehab center where there's a lot of old people. We don't want you like bringing that infection here and possibly spreading it through the building. So can you please, do you have any other family members that can stay with your dad? And she did, we, she has a sister and the sister was staying with uh, him at the hospital. So that's why we weren't going up there, uh, only to get reports every day that he was deteriorating really fast. So on the night of the 5th, that was it. I went up there with Jane to go see him. And he was, he was going in and out of consciousness, really delirious actually. But his abdomen was swollen up by like 20 pounds with like, well, like water. And he was very thin at, before he went in there. And it was like a waterbed when you touched it, which meant he's now retaining water. But at this time of night, there was nobody up there attending medical doctors. So I came back the next morning when the nurse's station told us the first docs will make the rounds at nine. And I was there waiting for him. As soon as he opened that door, it hit me. I introduced myself and I said, you need to show me on the computer screen what you found on day one. So he pulls up the pathology report only to find out, and he was perplexed as well. This is the daily attending medical doctor. He was perplexed that on day one, he never tested positive for the flu. In fact, he was negative for influenza A and B, also negative for bacterial and viral pneumonia that they called us with on day two to say he had pneumonia now. 
So this is a flag to me. He actually tested negative for over 17 different types of infections they tested him for. Nothing was positive. So then I said, why did you diagnose him with the flu if he didn't have the flu? And they said, we believed it was a false negative test. And I said, even if it was a false negative test and he really did have the flu, why do you have him on that medication hanging from the IV stand called vancomycin? And I said, that's an antibiotic. Antibiotics don't treat viruses like the flu. I said, so why would you have him on that? And how long have you had him on that? And they said, oh, he's been on that since day one. And, and he goes, and just so you know, doc, that's not the only antibiotic we have him on. We have him on three different antibiotics. And I said, why do you have him on any antibiotics? You know, antibiotics aren't warranted during viral infections. And you only thought he had a virus. I said, you know, vancomycin, that one drug causes acute kidney failure. And you called us two days ago to tell us, or now three days ago, to tell us that he was going into acute renal failure. You have him on a drug you know does this. And you've told us now each day for the last three days, he's getting worse and worse into renal failure. I said, you have to take him off that drug right now. I can't believe y'all even have him on that. Well, Dr. Well, Dr. Artis, we're going to have to meet with the other attending doctors, meet with the hospital administrators, see about taking them off because this is hospital protocol. And I said, I don't care what the protocol is. This is a horrible protocol. It's killing him. In fact, I'll show you. I want you to show me the x-rays you said you found on day two that showed pneumonia. So he pulls up the x-rays. And for your audience, this is very important. This is actually setting the stage for what every American currently in ICUs across America being treated for another virus called COVID-19. This is exactly what's happening to your loved ones there. This whole story is why I'm in the media. So I ask him to show me the x-rays on day two. He pulls them up and he points and he goes, there's the chest x-ray and he points and he goes, there's the pneumonia. And I said, where's the pneumonia? And he points again at the screen and I said, that's not pneumonia. If you look at a chest x-ray, which mostly is dark, the lung field is dark because it's mostly air and the electrons of x-rays go shoot right through it. There's very little mass in the lungs. But when there's pneumonia, those x-ray electrons get locked up inside of mucus and you'll see this cauliflower looking appearance inside all the lobes of the lung. That wasn't on the x-rays, but what was on the x-rays was this fine line of water at the lower rib cage of his ribs and in the lungs. It looked like water, straight line of water sitting in his lungs. That's actually called pulmonary edema. And do you know what causes that? Shutting down someone's kidneys and filling them with water with a saline bag, which is what they were doing to him. So now he was misdiagnosed with the flu because he never had it. Now they've misdiagnosed him with pneumonia, which he never had. I asked them, did you do a sputum test, a cough test, sputum test, and test the mucus in his mouth and lungs for viral or bacterial pneumonia on day two? And he goes, no, that's not hospital protocol. And I said, what are you going to do while I'm standing here? Because that's not pneumonia. That's pulmonary edema. And he goes, nope, we can't do that. That's not hospital protocol. And I said, no, you are going to do it. And they still refused. I made them get them off the vancomycin, which they did do that same day, but a couple hours later. But at the same time, I said, okay, so now we know he's got pulmonary edema. You know why he's got that? Because for the last 24 hours, you've put a drug into him called vancomycin that shut down his kidneys. Now the water's accumulating in his heart and his lungs, and you see it, you call it pneumonia. But that's not what it is. You're drowning him to death. And they're still pumping vancomycin in, in him for the next three days. So then day three, they call us to say now his kidney enzyme markers are so high in the blood, he's now diagnosed with acute renal failure. And then his lungs are still filling up more and more with water. By day five, 
He's going unconscious because there's so much swelling on his brain and so much limited oxygen in his blood because he can't breathe. And this is when they put a big old mask on his face and forced air into his lungs to try to help him breathe. There's a different type of technique they're using now during COVID-19. It's called venting people where they're forcing air in a tube into your lungs to try to help these people breathe that they're also drowning to death with a different drug. So I'm watching this. Uh, they kicked me out of the hospital, actually. Security does when I actually expose all of the lies and the fraudulent, ill-advised protocol in the hospital that they're killing them with. And they, did, they deny talking to me anymore. They say I'm, they're only talking to the direct descendants of my father-in-law, my wife's family. And her two older siblings sided with the medical doctors that they didn't know anything about health. So they were going to listen to the medical doctors. And that's what they chose to do. And over the next three days, they murdered him by continuing to drown him to death in his own fluids, continuing to shut down his kidneys with drugs. And then they asked to put him on palliative care on day nine, palliative care by way, by definition for everyone who ever has a loved one in an ICU or hospital. When they say it's time for palliative care, they're actually saying it's time to euthanize your loved one to death. And they're gonna use a drug called morphine to do it or a drug called midazolam to do it. These two drugs paralyze your diaphragm from breathing and paralyze your heart from beating and your lungs from being able to breathe by paralyzing your diaphragm. And they do it for over a two to four hour period. They just continue to dose it higher and higher in the body until your loved one can't breathe anymore. And they killed him right in front of you. And they murdered my father-in-law that way. And for the next two and a half months, I was super angry. Uh, number one, I was mad at everybody in the family because they didn't trust me as much as they trusted the medical doctor. Now this guy's gone. But I really wanted to blow up the hospital and murder everybody in that hospital that killed my father-in-law because I loved that guy. And uh, I didn't actually watch anything in the media. This is before COVID hit the States, right before. COVID was not in Texas in the first part of February. But over the next three months, you hear these rumors about COVID-19 going around the country. And I'm not watching any news. I'm just depressed and staying at home and upset. And then I get an alert on my phone from Apple News. And it says, today marks the day in which more people died in our country, the United States of America, from COVID-19. And one day there was more people today that died from COVID-19 than any other country has seen in one total day. And I was like this. I looked at that little alert and I went like this. America, the great U.S. healthcare system of America, has the most deaths from a novel coronavirus. How can that possibly be? How can there not be more people dying in Brazil? or in the jungles of Africa, or in Southeast Asia, or in any island somewhere in the Caribbean? Like, how in the world does this number one industrialized nation in the world, best healthcare system in the world, how in the world are we losing more people than anybody else? Uh, so I decided to just click open like CNN, Fox, and I wanted to watch some press conferences because I had not watched or heard anything at this point. Mm -hmm. This is in the middle of May. Mm -hmm. And what I hear in the press conferences is this. There's nurses, doctors, hospital administrators in New York who were stating in press conferences, making the world aware, we have never seen a respiratory virus ever do this before. When we start treating COVID-19 infected patients, by day three, we notice that the virus starts attacking the kidneys and causing acute kidney failure. So severe that here in New York, not only are we short on ventilators to help patients breathe, we don't have enough dialysis machines to handle the acute kidney failure. And as I listened to that, I was like, huh. That's interesting. Sounds familiar. Yeah, respiratory viruses we know don't attack the kidneys, so I know the medical doctors are being are being honest. But it was the same day three that I was called on and told that my father-in-law went into acute kidney failure, only to find out it was being caused by one drug called vancomycin, an antibiotic, 
that's not even warranted during viruses. So, you know, my first thought was, I bet they're using vancomycin on all these COVID-19 patients. That's just what my, my guess was from experience. So I decided to go find out what they were using. So I went to cdc.gov's website. They didn't have any recommendations. They said they adopted the NIH's protocol for treating COVID-19. They had a hyperlink. So I clicked it, took me to the NIH.gov's website. And that's where Anthony Fauci professes to the world on May 1st, 2020 is the memo. And it says, during this period of the COVID-19 pandemic, we are gonna use one drug and one drug only here in the United States. It's an experimental antiviral called remdesivir. And there's two studies that support its use during this novel coronavirus pandemic. One study was done last year, he says, against Ebola virus. And it was found to be safe and effective against that virus in Africa. So we're now gonna use it here. And then he references the second study. Talk about this with Dr. Ryan Cole. It was like, what? Yep. And what and were then, the other drugs they compared it with? Yeah, they compared it with uh, three other drugs. So there was no control group in this study, which means there wasn't a group of people that weren't being treated that they were comparing the drugs to. They just gave four experimental drugs in this Ebola trial, and they wanted to see how effective were any of them for a year. And the one drug was remdesivir. Another drug was called ZMAP, which was put in by our United States Department of Health and Human Services, which is a triple monoclonal antibody, by the way. It's called ZMAP. Then they put in a third drug in the trial that was called MAB114. And this is a drug that was put in and financed in this trial by our own defense group called DARPA, our own federal health agency. And then there's a fourth drug that you're hearing about in the media right now called Regeneron. And Regeneron's a triple monoclonal antibody. These were the four drugs that they put in there and they split it up equally among four regions in Africa for a year, starting in November, 2018. Study ends and gets published in 2019 in December. Oh, so remdesivir obviously was the best drug if they chose it. Yep, so Anthony Fauci says in the little memo on the NIH in May, 2020, he says, uh, this drug remdesivir was proven to be the most safe and effective. And I was like, oh, I don't even know anything about this drug. The only thing I knew is it wasn't FDA approved because it said it was an experimental drug. And then he's going on to bash in the same memo, hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine, which had been FDA approved for 70 years, which was odd to me, but I didn't know anything about remdesivir. So I clicked the two studies he referenced only to find out that remdesivir was not only not safe and effective in the trial, the, only, the, the study he actually hyperlinked in his message, couldn't believe it, to the masses, to all hospitals in the world, in America. Not only was it not safe and effective, it was found to be the most deadly drug in the entire trial. And halfway through the study, the safety board pulled remdesivir from the study because it had a death rate of 54% of all people they gave that drug to. The ZMAP drug killed 49% of everybody they gave it to. So at the same time, they pulled both of those drugs. So not only did remdesivir- Monoclonal, double monoclonal antibody? ZMAP was a triple monoclonal antibody put in by our Department of Health and Human Services. So these two drugs were found to have the highest death rate. So they pulled them from the study and they only allowed from August 2019 to December, they only allowed Africans to continue to be treated with just two drugs, which was MAB114, which was a singular monoclonal antibody put in by DARPA, and then a triple monoclonal antibody called Regeneron. Well, if anybody right now goes and looks at that study, which you can still, it's still on New England Journal of Medicine's website, there's a table. And what's interesting is the reason why ZMAP and remdesivir were taken out of the trial is because they killed 
respectively in the order I just gave you. ZMAP, 49%, Remdesivir, 54%. But MAB114 and Regeneron had death rates, comparison to those other two, MAB114 had a death rate of 35% of all people they gave it to. Regeneron was 33%. Now, this is for you and your audience. A year and a half later, two years later, we know that coronavirus and SARS-CoV-2, the Delta variants, it doesn't even matter, this entire pandemic, the whole world's been infected with this SARS-CoV-2. Less than 1% of the entire world has died who got infected with this virus. Less than 1%. Yet each of the drugs that have been used to actually and been mandated to use for the entire pandemic, which was remdesivir and is only remdesivir now, killed 54% of all people they gave it to in that Ebola trial. Why are we using any drug that has less than a 1% mortality rate if less than 1% of all the world dies from the infection by itself? When Regeneron, which is being touted as this new miracle drug, at a death rate of 33%. That's still worse than you doing nothing and you just staying home. <laughs> so, so what I knew was going on was, is I knew Anthony Fauci lied, obviously, when he put out this information that it was shown to be safe and effective. It was not shown to be safe and effective. The safety board for the, for the study deemed it to be the most deadly drug of the four, and it wasn't safe for any Africans in America. But Anthony Fauci, four and a half months later, says, we're going to use this one and only drug because it was uh, proven to be safe and effective in that trial. More disgusting, buddy. If you look at the New England Journal of Medicine's, uh, the actual study, if you scroll up to the very end of the study, it tells you who funded the whole study. The reason why I knew Anthony Fauci was lying to all Americans and that I knew he was doing something nefarious to kill a whole bunch of Americans with this drug, Anthony Fauci alone and his department of the NIH called the National Institutes of Health's Allergy and Infectious Disease Department, which is his, they funded the entire study. So he would have been given the whole year all the data to report and substantiate which drugs were safe and which ones are effective. And then he still went and chose the most dangerous drug of all three, of all four. And my question was, and still is, why didn't he select any of the other three that had lower mortality rates than remdesivir? two of which had lower mortality rates and were funded by our own government. Why didn't he pick one of those? Why did he pick a privately owned Gilead Sciences who owns remdesivir? Why did you pick that one that had the highest death rates of all of them? I knew then and immediately that he was setting up the stage for a mass murder of Americans in hospitals around the nation. I knew it. There was no other reason why you would select it. So the second study I clicked and I wanted to know, well, what did they find in the second study he quoted? That study was from March, 2020 two months earlier, and it was conducted and self-funded by Gilead Sciences, who owns the patent and all the rights to remdesivir. They took 53 COVID-19 patients from Japan, America, and Canada and gave them remdesivir for just 10 days. In the Ebola study, they were giving patients the drug for 28 days, and we learned from that study 54% of all people died on remdesivir within 28 days. So now three months later, March 2020, after that study gets published, Gilead's like, well, let's try remdesivir again on COVID-19 patients, but let's reduce the time frame and only give it to them for 10 days, since 28 days was really deadly. So I clicked that study to find out what happened. Well, this was the conclusion from Gilead's own study, and you can look it up right now. Cohort, look up cohort study, Gilead remdesivir, March 2020. And this is what, this is what was concluded. 23% of the 53 people they gave that drug to, remdesivir, 
Within 10 days, develop multiple organ failure, acute kidney failure, which is what all the doctors in New York were saying was happening. It causes acute kidney failure, multiple organ failure, septic shock, and hypotension. All four of these serious adverse events are lethal, all of them. Another 8% of the 53 people had to be taken off the drug before day 10, between days 5 and 10, because their liver failure and kidney failure was so severe they were going to die. So 31% total of the 53 had such acute organ failure they were threatened with death. I don't know about you, even if you're not a medical doctor, do you think if people can't breathe because of a respiratory virus in their lungs, do you think it's a good idea to give them a drug that shuts down their organs, other organs in their body, like the liver and the kidneys? Do you think it's a good idea, man? No, no one thinks that's a good idea. It doesn't help you eliminate infections. It doesn't allow you to heal. It all only speeds up the process of disease and death. So now I knew he lied. I now knew why all the doctors in New York were saying we've never seen a virus do this before. You want to know why they've never seen this happen before with a respiratory virus? Respiratory viruses don't attack kidneys. So I knew they were being honest. Respiratory viruses have never done it. They're not doing it now. They have never attacked kidneys ever. However, there was one thing all these doctors were being told they had to do or they would lose their license. You have to use this one mandated drug to save all COVID-19 infected people. And then the doctors were like, holy crap, by day three, four, and five, we're seeing such acute kidney failure. We need more dialysis machines. These kidneys, these people's kidneys are shutting down. Unbeknownst to them, they had no idea Anthony Fauci mandated a poisonous drug, never proven safe in human trials ever, ever. And it had already been through five human trials, never was proven safe or effective, which is why the FDA never approved it. Is this drug still be, being used to treat it is. It is still the number one drug being used in hospitals throughout America. And no. this thing gets better. If yeah. you go right now on any search engine and type in cms.gov, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services.gov, 20%, the numbers 20% payout remdesivir. It'll pull up a chart. Our Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Medicare is now sent out a bribe to all hospitals around the country that for every Medicare patient you choose or are treating for COVID-19, not only will they pay them $2,400 for every remdesivir treatment for their Medicare patients, they have offered every hospital and every doctor in the country a 20% additional bonus payout if they'll select remdesivir and no other drug, which is criminal, and they're bribing doctors to poison the elderly in Medicare and those poor individuals inside of our country on Medicaid they are drugging them to death and poisoning them to death to kill them. This is disgusting. Are, are there, now I think that, I, I think most medical professionals, most doctors, most nurses, they're all very well-intentioned. I mean, honestly, the nurses I've had experience with in my life are, um, I, I don't know many people who have the courage of a soldier and the heart of a friend that are there with you through thick and thin that do it. Um, now, are they really this, um, like, handicapped in what they're able to do and what they and the the financial incentive to go this route through, like, the hospital corporate structure from the top down? Um, are, are doctors not able? It just seems like it would make sense that doctors should be able to treat patients as they see fit, right? How are they being so, like, stuck in this one method and aren't there other treatments that are are possibly successful oh there's uh 
a lot of other treatments that have been proven safe and effective, but the United States and our federal health agencies, our mass media platforms continue to demonize those when they've actually been proven safe and effective for 70 years, 20 years for another one. Uh, one of those drugs has won the Nobel Prize for curing human diseases, and they continue to tout it as a horrible drug, risky drug, deadly drug, and it isn't. It's never actually killed anybody in the entire world, 4.4 billion doses. So to answer your question, what's the stranglehold for me is what it feels like. Like, why would any doctor continue to do this even a year and a half later if they haven't learned now or been able to observe that these protocols don't work and they're causing mass murder and failure to date? In America, you have to understand, Anthony Fauci in May 2020 told our federal government in the same memo to actually buy up all of the reserves of the experimental drug remdesivir and to not share it with another country for the rest of the year. We were the only country using this. Do you know what country had the most deaths from COVID-19 in the entire world in 2020? What country? The U.S. The United States of America. Do you know who still has the highest deaths from COVID-19 in the entire world? The U.S.? The United States, at the end of 2020, we had, two, we had 550,000 dead Americans who were all treated for COVID-19 in hospitals with remdesivir, and they died. They actually died of remdesivir poisoning. I am absolutely certain, and I'm absolutely certain that venting these individuals on top of the acute kidney failure was the second cause of their death. So 90% of all the people in America died because they were these ill protocols in hospitals, just like the one they used on my father-in-law. So end of 2020, 550,000 dead Americans on Fauci's head and all the doctors in the country just went along with it. So I hold them complicit now. But of the entire world, there was only 2.2 million total deaths in the entire world. This should be disturbing. The United States only has 4.5% of the entire world's population. Total 4.5% of the whole world's population. And supposedly this infection went around the whole world to 7 plus billion people. Isn't it odd to you that the United States of America that only has four and a half percent of the entire world's population had 25% of the entire world's deaths from COVID-19 supposedly? America was only doing one thing that no other country was doing. <laughs> they were using a drug called remdesivir to kill a whole bunch of Americans. And they continue to do that to this day. It's disgusting. Now we're up to 704,000. Just so you know, that number 704,000 is greater then all the American soldiers we lost in every war in America's history in total, if you just take out the Civil War. The Civil War had 660,000 dead American soldiers. We have more than that in the last 17 months just from treating patients in hospitals with COVID-19 protocols. So this has actually been the greatest murder, greatest death toll event, greatest serial killing I can actually imagine in all of America's history maybe even the world's history when we're done. But uh, it's really disturbing to me. So uh, 704,000 people have died right now. So hospitals, doctors in hospitals are strangled hold by a couple things. All medical doctors and nurse practitioners in the hospitals are employees of the hospital. They aren't actually licensed on their own to practice in that facility. They actually are given an, a paycheck by their hospital administrators. The board is their employers. And they set mandates for their employees. They do not practice freely unless they're independent. Maybe if you're in the ER, you can actually use some adjustments, but that's not what they do. They plug into the ICU. A couple of things have actually demoralized the medical profession over the last 20 years. One was electronic medical records. 
Because now what happens when you go into a hospital and you plug in the symptoms, you put in a code. And when you put in the diagnosis code for whatever you figure out's wrong with this person, which all the hospitals are putting in COVID-19 and are being paid to do that, by the way, even if it's just the flu they're diagnosed with and did not have COVID-19 positive tests, they are being bribed every hospital by the CDC to be paid 20% more if they just put down a COVID-19 positive case. And when they put in the COVID-19 diagnosis code on the screen, it populates a protocol for them that they have to follow. They're not free to treat like they used to, not at all. So it's one thing is they're being held liable if they don't follow the protocols of the hospital, they will be fired. They're also threatened with their license. There's examples of this, like Dr. Simone Gold. She was using hydroxychloroquine when they were trying to make her use remdesivir and patients were dying with remdesivir. So she went and started using hydroxychloroquine because of a study in 2005 that showed that hydroxychloroquine was the most effective drug against SARS-CoV-1 in 2005. That study was funded by Anthony Fauci, by the way. Isn't that crazy? That 15 years later, he wants to bash hydroxychloroquine that was the only drug found to be totally successful against SARS-CoV-1. I don't, either he has dementia like Joe Biden and he totally forgot 15 years later, seriously, that uh, SARS-CoV-1 was beat with hydroxychloroquine per his own funded research study, but now he's bashing it. Well, because of that study, Simone Gold decided to start treating all patients in hospitals in Washington, D.C., with hydroxychloroquine and they all were recovering within five days and the hospital told her to stop using that drug she can't do it anymore because then i said you can't use it and then they fired her because she wouldn't stop and now she started the american frontline doctors and has gone on this is the threat to these doctors all across the country a year and a half later most of them are still scared to death to lose their job to lose their house to lose their boat to lose their car to lose their kids college tuition they're so concerned about the financial benefits of their job that they're unwilling to step back, honor their Hippocratic oath they took in med school to do no harm. And for the first like six months, I didn't hold any of them complicit in this murderous attempt to kill Americans. But now I do. I, I say shame on all of them. I shame on every pulmonologist, every single ICU doctor, every single nurse practitioner that's pumping remdesivir inside of their patients when they know it's causing acute kidney failure and have seen it now by the thousands. Uh, now you are just as complicit as every single to me, not you, to me. When you watch the videos of the Holocaust and you watch all these crazy Nazi soldiers executing the Jews because Hitler told them to and told them there was something wrong with that group of people, uh, I hold you just as complicit now as I hold all of them guilty of murder. Uh, just because they said to do it doesn't mean you have to do it. So I, I, I hold all of them complicit, but this is the thing that holds them back from doing it. But I do need your audience to know. Uh, I may put it in the chat if you would like me to, but uh, the documents that actually show that hospitals are being paid 20% more for choosing remdesivir over other drugs for treatment of COVID-19, everyone in your audience needs to have that document, print it, because when they go to a hospital with a loved one with whatever variant is going to come out next and they feel like they need to go to a hospital, they need to print that form and take it in and say, you're not going to treat my loved one with remdesivir or yourself with remdesivir. You're going to treat my loved one with ivermectin. And you're going to say, and, and because you're being bribed by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, my life or my loved one's life is not for sale. You're going to save his life. I know you're being paid and bribed to be paid 20% bonuses to use remdesivir, but I have proof that ivermectin is actually an approved drug to treat COVID-19 in America. The NIH buried it on a chart on their website dated July 8th, 2021. And I just uncovered it 10 days ago. 
and have now been sharing it with senators, with lawyers, it's not a joke, and in the media nonstop to make sure everybody in this country downloads that chart because it not only lists remdesivir as an approved treatment for COVID-19, it lists ivermectin and the doses to treat humans in America for COVID-19 per the NIH. They just aren't sharing this information with hospitals and doctors. And even if they do, they're still offering them a 20% bonus if they select remdesivir over any other treatment, which is disgusting to me. So if you would like, I would like to share those two. I don't know if you share stuff with your audience, but it'd be great if you could post those two and uh, share those with others. And I can put it in the chat here in just a minute. Okay, that sounds great. Everybody needs to have those two charts and walk in and go, you're not using remdesivir. You're going to use ivermectin. It is approved by the NIH because every doctor is going like this. It's not approved by the NIH. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> so oh, yes, isn't it is. Isn't ivermectin just a horse dewormer? Nope. That's a total lie. In fact, ivermectin per the CMS database, which is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, just this year alone in 2021, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, they've actually paid and filled 142,000 doses of ivermectin to Americans on Medicare at 24 bucks a prescription. Uh, and CMS does not cover animals or veterinary medicine. They only co cover humans. And on this chart on the NIH's website that lists ivermectin as a treatment for COVID-19, it does not say on the top of that chart that this is for horses. It's for humans. It even states ivermectin for adults. You use these doses whenever they have COVID-19. Uh, there's actually 64 trials or research studies around the entire world the last year and a half proving ivermectin to be superior over all of the drug treatments to beat COVID-19 infections in the body in less than 48 hours, and it stops transmission of COVID-19 within 48 hours in everybody you give it to, which even the COVID-19 vaccines have never, ever marketed that they can do. They still don't tell you it does that. They actually say these shots, COVID-19 shots, don't prevent you from getting COVID and they don't protect you from transmitting it. The only thing they do supposedly is reduce your hospitalization rate. Well, if it doesn't stop you from getting the infection and it doesn't stop you from transmitting it, how is this any benefit? <laughs> like, why would you force this on the masses if it doesn't protect you from getting it and doesn't stop you from transmitting it? If it doesn't protect, stop you from spreading it and it doesn't stop you from getting it and it only protects you then why are we saying like you get this to protect other people and why are we mandating it on everybody who um some some people like myself i i found natural ways to boost my health and immune system and um like the flu shot for instance i never get the flu shot i never get the flu when i get sick i or i start to feel sick i i have some tricks with supplements and diet and lifestyle that i pretty much either don't get it or it's like two days and over and very mild. Um, and so I don't need, I, that's, this is the way I prefer for me and my family. Um, and if, and if it's not stopping me from spreading it, then, then how, what are your thoughts on like the mandates then if, you know, like this isn't actually stopping spread it. Yeah, if it's not help, if it's not stopping the spread, why are we trying to force this? There must be some other agenda, right? Got to be something. So, uh, Dr. Ryan Cole, um, who you interviewed, was that that was pretty recent? Because I watched it this morning. Was that a pretty recent interview? Two days? Yep. Yep. That was actually just last. I think it was last week actually when we did that. Um, and um, 
one of the things he said was, um, I think he was referring to him and the American frontline doctors or him and his colleagues, I don't know, but he said, we don't feel that it's right, moral or ethical to deny treatment to patients whose lives we know how to save. Um, doctors like Ryan Cole, Dr. Peter McCullough, and so many more have been advocating for early and aggressive treatment since the beginning of this pandemic. And yet, despite their, their success with these treatments, despite them trying to tell everybody about these treatments, um, th these treatments are getting blocked. Um, these physicians are getting threatened. Um, what the heck is going on here? Shouldn't, shouldn't doctors be able to treat their patients the way they see fit? Isn't that kind of like the way that works as you, your doctor-patient relationship and the doctor knows you, so then they treat you according to what they think is best, according to what your wishes are? Um, you know, and isn't like early treatment um, like pretty vital in pretty much any thing we deal with any health situation isn't that funny i've actually joked about this with uh peter mccullough zev zelenko ben marble uh dr urso lee Merritt of american flint doctors uh, simone gold this weekend uh, i've actually said this to all of them you know when in medicine ever <laughs> it, it doesn't even matter how basic the actual problem or minuscule it might appear i asked them all uh, when in history have we ever said it's best to wait till you're really sick or something's really bad? For example, I said, even outside of medicine, any parent, any, any little league coach, if a kid sprain their ankle, a parent who knows nothing medical, a coach that knows nothing medical would never look at that kid and go like this. Yeah. Well, you really sprained your ankle there, kid. You should wait four days before you ice it. You should wait till it gets really swollen and then we'll put ice on it. No, it doesn't matter what the condition is. No one says, oh, you've got cancer in your liver. We should wait till it goes to your spine. Wait till it goes to your lymph nodes. Wait till it gets to your brain and then we'll treat it. It's never mattered. Oh, you got the flu. Uh, you should wait. Mm, let's wait eight days before we give you Tamiflu. All right. Nobody ever does that. No one has ever said, wait, not until this condition or this disease. And so it's been deplorable for most medical doctors, like the ones I just referenced. All of us have been disgusted at the idea that there's one individual who has never treated a single patient in his entire career, Anthony Fauci. He has never been a practicing clinician. He's never saw patients. So this guy comes out and says, during this novel coronavirus, it's better for everybody to stay home until you get really sick and then go to the hospital and get treated. Uh, no, that doesn't even make any sense. From the beginning, the majority of all medical doctors understand early treatment is always best. And there's a few things that we have known from the beginning. I mentioned already that Simone Gold already recognized that research study from 2005 that hydroxychloroquine was able to stop and halt the transmission and infection of SARS-CoV-1 15 years earlier. So tons of people were using hydroxychloroquine based off of this research study. Hydroxychloroquine has been safe and effective for 70 years. The study that Anthony Fauci said in May 2020, when he bashed hydroxychloroquine and gave glory to remdesivir that was deadly, he quoted a study saying that there was a study done that proved hydroxychloroquine caused heart failure and death in COVID-19 patients. Well, no one looked at that study. Anthony Fauci funded that study in Brazil, and they gave hydroxychloroquine to like 10 to 20 patients with COVID-19, and they gave them 10 times the dose, the safe and effective dose of hydroxychloroquine that has been 
the understood 300 milligram dose or less daily a dose a day, he gave 10 times that to COVID-19 patients in Brazil. What happens when you overdose somebody on a drug? It doesn't matter what it is. You're going to kill them. And those patients after 10 days that didn't die, they bumped it up to 12 times. And then those patients died. And all they wanted, what he, all he was trying to do was actually get the conclusion in that study that said hydroxychloroquine was shown to be not effective, but it caused heart failure and death in COVID-19 infected patients in this study. Well, if you never look and if you never read the study, you would never know that he didn't overdose everybody on that drug. But the truth is, even like with water, you can overdose on water and drown yourself to death if you drink too much water. What do you think happens when you overdose people on drugs? They always die. But no one's ever died on hydroxychloroquine at less than 300 milligrams a day, which is what they recommend during SARS-CoV-2. But Anthony Fauci had to demonize that drug. He actually did not mind murdering some people internationally just to get the conclusion he could pump in the media and then tell everybody it's proven dangerous. Now you got to use remdesivir. So they bastardized hydroxychloroquine, which has been safe and effective for 70 years, approved by the FDA for 70 years. Remdesivir at this point in May 2020 had never been approved. In fact, it was only approved after we killed 400,000 people with it in October 2020, which is when Anthony Fauci said, now you can share it with other countries because he got the 400,000 people that were dead Americans now. And he could convey to the, convey to the world that COVID-19 was dangerous. It killed 400,000 people. Now we can sell the Americans on a vaccine to save them all. That was the whole agenda. He had to scare people enough that it was dangerous, deadly, and it never was. So this is all astonishing and kind of hard for me to, to digest. Um, I wanted to ask about this. You talked about the vaccine. And, and the other day you interviewed Dr. Simone Gold, who is the founder of American Frontline Doctors. She's also an attorney. And she was saying it was pretty incredible to be a doctor and an attorney um, and then start this organization and basically risk her entire career and life and everything yeah. um, to do. And like what at what point, like, um, you know, it's like at what point is like you know, the, the hard, good choices aren't usually the path of least resistance. Usually you have to put your neck on the line to stand for what you really believe and what is truth and, and right. Um, so that's kind of interesting. But, but she said on that interview that you had with her that COVID shots don't stop the spread of the virus. She said that the shots do not work like a vaccine. They work more like a treatment. And she said that the shots are also responsible for the variants and that the original strain of the virus, the original Wuhan strain is no longer here. In fact, the CDC director herself said that Wuhan strain is gone. It's about 99% or something of what is here is Delta. Um, what are your thoughts on these? Do you believe these shots function more like a treatment than a vaccine? Um, and yeah, go ahead on that topic. Yep. So by definition, vaccines until 2020, Literally, <laughs> the actual definition of a vaccine was to inject a live or attenuated virus or bacteria into the human body of a person or an animal. And then your body was supposed to then be able to prevent future infection and stop transmission to other people, like to halt an infection. By all definition of a vaccine, these vaccines do not behave like vaccines because they neither on their fact sheets, it actually states Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. You can look up the FDA FACT, F-A-C-T sheets for each of the named uh, vaccines for COVID-19. And on every single one of them, it says, these do not prevent you from getting the infection or the virus. <laughs> it 
doesn't prevent you from getting COVID-19. And these are not proven to stop transmission. They're only there to reduce hospitalization. Now, by definition, she says, these behave more like a treatment. Well, if you do an early treatment for an infection, that is to prevent you from going to the hospital to reduce hospitalizations. Hydroxychloroquine is proven to be an early treatment to stop you from having to go to a hospital. I, ivermectin is proven to do it in two days or less. Budesonide is proven to save 100% of all people you give budesonide nebulized treatments to. Even Oxford confirmed 90% of all people can be saved from going to a hospital if you use budesonide respules in a nebulizer. Five-minute breathing treatments. I've read quite a bit of success about intravenous vitamin C. Oh, um, and China in January of 2020 figured out how to beat the pneumonia associated with COVID-19 in five days or less just using intravenous vitamin C at 25 milligrams a day. Within five days, 100% of all Chinese people went home without any pneumonia, any more symptoms. So yes, there are early treatments. This keeps you from being hospitalized by clearing the infections faster. That's why Simone Gold can say these behave more like a treatment. They're even defined as more of a treatment than they are a vaccine. They actually changed the definition of a vaccine in 2020 <laughs> to actually reflect now it can include genetic modified organisms. I heard we changed the definition of herd immunity too to something else that it's only achieved through vaccines and not necessarily yep. through That's natural. Very true. So they're trying to change the narrative to convince as many people as possible to do it. Um, and then to speak on the Delta variant, yeah. uh, she's not the only one. So the doctors who are actually treating COVID-19 patients from the beginning, even Dr. Richard Bartlett, I interviewed him this weekend and hung out with him for a while, but for 36 minutes, all he wanted to talk about, he's an ER doctor in Odessa, has treated this last month, 1,200 patients who had COVID-19 or the new Delta variant. And he said, I can 100% tell you that these are not the same viruses. The Delta variant is a completely different virus. It doesn't behave anything symptomatology wise in the human body like the other virus did SARS-CoV-2. Uh, and uh, so he's absolutely adamant. He's like, for example, severe sinus headaches, heart issues, not so much the breathing stuff. You still see a reduction in oxygen, but you don't see cytokine storm like you did with the respiratory symptoms of SARS-CoV-2, but more headaches, sinus pressure, uh, maybe heart palpitations and low O2. He's like, it's totally different than the other one. Uh, and so he actually believes, just like Dr. Simone Gold does, and just like the CDC uh, leader said, or director said, we are past SARS-CoV-2. It's not the same thing. That's already gone. It literally took like two weeks to go around the world, and it was over. It was over in February. It was all gone. Uh, it took about four months for them to unleash a new virus, which is called the Delta variant. And if you haven't seen any of David Martin's work, Dr. Martin, they've actually been able to pull all the patents on these different variations of coronaviruses that our federal government has purchased patents on from 1999 through the early 2000s, like 2003. They have over 13 different patents on 13 different coronaviruses, including SARS-CoV-2 and this Delta variant. They already own these, they've already created them. You can only patent something you created. So our federal government has created and funded various viruses and they are unleashing them on the world over and over and over. The great thing is, I just think this is brilliant. Regardless if it was an accidental leak from Wuhan lab, SARS-CoV-2, regardless if they spread it in the air aerosol-wise, you know, they did something demonic like that, something evil like that, and leashed it on the world. Whatever their plan was for pushing this out, 
it was nowhere near as deadly as they hoped it would be. I mean, seriously, it's less than 1% of the entire world, but they've already had in place. They were ready. Well, you can look up that meeting, Agenda 201. They already had it ready, how they were going to handle this globally with fear and pandemonium in the media to project this as a deadly virus. And they actually said it was going to kill about 22 million people. They were way off base. It only killed 2.2 million. And out of that 2.2 million, 550,000 of them were in America. They didn't even die from COVID. They died from hospital protocols, including remdesivir. So it nowhere was near as deadly. This virus wasn't. Humanity and its immune system far was superior over this gain of function testing that's been funded over the last 40 or 20 years, at least we know about. So I am actually super impressed with the human body's ability to fight even these bioweapons or gain of function tested viruses. Uh, whoever attempted to do this, whatever the reasons were, how nefarious it might have been, how criminal it might have been or evil, it's, it's planning and agenda. The human body has been miraculous. Less than 1% of the entire world has had to be treated or had to die from this infection. Anyway, it didn't work. So now they're having to come up with and release either more dangerous viruses or they have to make the protocols in hospitals even more deadly. And they've done that too. I'm telling you, they've, they've figured out how to do it. So um, I just have a couple more questions with you. Is it okay if we go a little over? Go ahead. I'm ready to educate and inspire. Let's go. Okay. So um, oh, just, by, just so you know, I put in yeah. the chat. Okay. The links to both the NIH website's chart that actually shows remdesivir and ivermectin are approved treatments. Everybody needs to print that form, throw it in your doctor's faces who are treating your loved ones. And if you go to a hospital with any of these next variants and you say, I do not want to be treated with remdesivir, I've heard Dr. Artis explain how deadly it is. And they go, nope, we can't use it. We can't use ivermectin. You can go, uh, nope, here, here's the chart right here. Ivermectin is an approved treatment, just as approved as remdesivir. So you can show them that they haven't actually been told that the media is not telling them that they're not telling the NIH is not telling hospitals that you're now actually armed with two documents that can protect you from having to possibly die from acute renal failure. 25% from whistleblowers right now in CMS. We know 25% of all people treated in centers and Medicare services database, 25% of all people treated with remdesivir have died treated for COVID. When I was um, typed, I knew I wasn't going to get to all this, so I got to skip past some stuff. I, but I, when I was typing it and I knew it was going to be too long, I'm just like, oh, but I got to ask these. So, um, okay. I can so, keep them short if you want. I can just say yes and no answers if you'd like. <laughs> so, um, okay. Uh, the main thing I want to talk about, like, um, adverse events from the vaccine. So Simone Gold was talking about litigation that's going around the country due to adverse events in young people. Yep. Um, what type of adverse events are we seeing? What kinds of litigation are we seeing? Um, what, um, how do the amount of vaccine adverse events being reported for COVID shots, how does that compare to previous vaccines and how much was reported? How many adverse events were reported for previous vaccines? Um, never in the compilation of all vaccines in American history since the 1960s, 70s, even the 40s. You combine all vaccines given to Americans from like the 1940s or 50s all the way through to 2021. If you add up all the deaths reported from all those vaccines in every decade, it still doesn't even come close to the total of deaths from the vaccine from COVID-19 shots in America. Not even close. It is astronomically higher this year. Where is there? 
isn't this setting off some red flags somewhere? Like, isn't there setting off red flags for everybody except the CDC, the NIH, the FDA, and the mass media (laughs) for whatever reason. So I just want to tell you right now that, uh, for example, swine flu back in the 70s and 80s, uh, they actually rolled out a, a mass vaccination program across all of America. They had vaccinated 40 million Americans and 53 patients died. And as a result of 53 dead patients from the shots, they pulled the entire vaccine program from the rest of all of the Americans. And I just want to tell you this. Per the the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, it's called CMS.gov. According to their own data, which is not voluntary, by the way, just in New York alone, just just in New York since the vaccines rolled out, Within 28 days post-vaccine, this is the data set from the day of getting their second shot to 28 days post-getting their shots. Just the Medicare group in New York, there's already reported over 6,500 dead. New York Medicare patients dead within 28 days of those shots. There's over 7,000 strokes within those 28 days of getting the shots. All of this came out. We got all this data actually just on Saturday. There's a whole presentation you should look at. It's on uh, Dr. It's on Thomas Renz's website, the attorney that I work with every day. But if you go to renz-law.com, there's a button on the homepage. Slide up a little bit on the homepage and you'll see a button that says all the facts. Open it. Today, they expanded the presentation to include these states, New York, Maine, Florida, Texas, Uh, California, uh, and they're actually doing the same data set for all the Medicare numbers there. And uh, it's actually just very disturbing. It's awful. I don't know if you can uh, allow me to do screen share here. Is your audience going to be watching this? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I thank you. I think I'm not sure. It says a host disabled participant screen sharing. Mm -hmm. I think I have to enable that like in the settings. Okay. Well, I don't know. But I will tell you, well, if you want, I'll just tell your audience right now. Yeah. There's a document from the FDA that they created. They created it in October 2020 before the shots ever came out. If you go to my website, I want to make sure everybody gets documents. I just like documents. If you go to the, T-H-E-D-R-A-R-D-I-S show.com, my last name, A-R-D-I-S show.com, and you put in your email, you get sent a 67-page COVID-19 document. You also get sent what's called a disease prevention cocktail to protect protect all those who got the vaccines already, those who haven't gotten the vaccines but are exposed to those with vaccines, four things to protect you and your loved ones from diseases and death caused by these shots as best as possible. All research-backed ingredients and products and their doses. There's four nutrients that protect every cell from the damage of spike proteins, poisons, viruses, even ionized radiation from nuclear power plants, explosions even. So those four things are there. As a part of that, there's a document from the FDA called the CBE dark, CBER document. Four nutrients, that, real quick. I remember I've heard you talk about these four nutrients. Could you just touch real quick on those? Is that the book? Is it? Was it include the ten grams of vitamin C? Yeah, it does. So the the actual disease prevention cocktail is vitamin C at five thousand milligrams to ten thousand milligrams a day. Start with five thousand every week. Add a thousand milligrams to work up to ten. 
If you get to a point where you have bowel tolerance, which means you're getting diarrhea, that means your body is taking in more vitamin C than it needs and the immune system, 90% of it's in your gut. If it determines there's more than, more than the vitamin C it needs, it actually just releases it in diarrhea. So you don't want to stay in a period of diarrhea. So if you go up, let's say you start with 5,000 milligrams this week, you go up to 6,000 next week, no diarrhea. You do the next week, you go to 7,000, you get some diarrhea. Maybe you have it for two or three days. Just go back to the 6,000 milligrams and stay there. The goal should be to try to get up to 10,000. And if it takes a couple of weeks at a time before you make adjustments or increase it, that's fine. Most people do just fine at 10,000 milligrams and never have diarrhea. But 10,000 milligrams is the goal. Everyone should be starting at 5,000 milligrams a day. Do you want to know where I get mine? I get it from, I get it from bulk supplements.com and I buy it in bags. And I just put, I just take a teaspoon every day and dump it in something I'm drinking, do that twice a day. You get 10,000 milligrams that week. Uh, and we, so I've actually been actually from your show before that I saw, and I read Dr. Thomas Levy's book, Curing the Incurable. I'm a big fan of Andrew Saul and orthomolecular.org. Um, I've, I've read some of his books and, and learned about uh, mega dosing vitamin C. And I've been taking for since pretty much the beginning of COVID, I've been taking, you know, worked my way up. Now I'm taking easily 12,000 a day. Um, awesome. I get the powder. We have a paddle, powder, powder here at the store. We actually brought in that liposomal, live on labs liposomal too recently after I saw you and Dr. Levy talking about that. Um, and um, so, yeah, and I, you know, having a, Dr. Levy calls it a C flush when you get diarrhea from, you know, so it's not literally a bad thing necessarily, but you don't want to be there. You want to be right in that state before. And you usually notice, even for me, I notice like a little rumbly in my tummy before I get to that point. So I usually just, okay, I'll back off right there. Yeah, that's good. Linus Pauling won two Nobel prizes before he died. He was like in his mid nineties for the last 10 years, he was taking 20,000 milligrams a day. Or So it took him a while to work up to that dose, but uh, there is no real toxic level of vitamin C. No one you've ever heard on their death certificate did they say died of vitamin C toxicity. Yeah. You, you can't, your body will excrete what it doesn't want. <laughs> so it'll either pee it out or poop it out. So it's just, a, it's not dangerous. There's no toxic levels, which is what we learned from Thomas Levy, great cardiologist. Yep. And uh, I know you've had him on a show, which is fabulous. Doctor, but Vitamin C is number one. Number two is magnesium at 500 milligrams minimum. This 500 milligrams is also a dose Thomas Levy actually recommends on his rapid virus recovery protocol. So I, I'm the chiropractor and he's the cardiologist. And he's telling you that's a great number two. I personally, for people who want to stop from having arteriosclerosis, heart disease, restless legs, insomnia, osteoporosis, I recommend more than 500 milligrams a day. I recommend 10.6 milligrams for every 2.2 pounds of body weight every day for the rest of your life. So I'm at 200 pounds. I actually, that equals 963 milligrams a day. That's what I take every day. But bare minimum, it's 500 milligrams a day every day for the rest of your life. The third nutrient in my disease prevention cocktail is selenium, and that's 200 micrograms every day for the rest of your life. And then the fourth one is apple pectin at 700 milligrams twice a day. And that, that thing's phenomenal. So those four ingredients are what I recommend to everybody. And it's funny, people will write in and go, well, you didn't say zinc. And you know what I say? There ain't no virus in the shot. I designed this to protect you against spike proteins against poisons that are in the shots. This was actually to protect you from the toxic disease causing ingredients inside of the shots. 
and those toxic things that are going to be transmitted or shedded on you if you weren't vaccinated, but you're around vaccinated people. These shots are designed to cause disease and kill you, period. So I gave you four things to protect every cell from being diseased or dying. Now, for those who are moving into like the winter months, I do recommend everybody add zinc to this protocol. Everybody should be taking zinc every day for the rest of their life anyway, but everybody's zinc deficient, magnesium deficient, selenium deficient. Zinc, almost everybody recommends 40 to 50 milligrams a day. I do not. I recommend everybody get 100 milligrams every day. Uh, and when we talked about acne earlier, for example, zinc deficiency is the number one cause for estrogen dominance. Almost every cancer, female breast cancer, ovarian cancer, cervical cancer, uterine cancer, males prostate cancers, these are all caused by estrogen dominance, which is solely caused by deficiencies in zinc. Please take 100 milligrams of zinc every day. And zinc is what goes into the cells and stops all viruses from replicating, including COVID-19 viruses. And any of its variants, any flu virus. And the miracle of hydroxychloroquine and rivermectin that we've talked about, those two drugs are called zinc ionophores. They force zinc into the cell and make it stay there. They are not by nature antiviral drugs. They are anti-parasitic drugs. <laughs> they kill parasites, but they have this amazing ability to help keep and push more zinc into our cells. Zinc is the miracle killer of viruses. So everybody needs to add zinc to that protocol. Zinc is the repairman. Um, zinc ionophores are the doorman that lets zinc into the cell to do repairing. And quercetin is a good zinc ionophore. Um, oh, just say no. Yeah, hydroxychloroquine was made from quercetin. So if you can't get hydroxychloroquine, use quercetin. And so hydroxychloroquine is much more powerful than quercetin. Yeah, as zinc ionophore, yeah because right? it's a concentrated drug. Mm -hmm. So they so quercetin is actually derived from the rinds or the skins of fruits. <laughs> so to in order to actually pack it into a tablet that they call hydroxychloroquine, all they're doing is isolating the single molecule of quercetin. And then they're putting a whole bunch of it, hundreds of milligrams into one tablet, 300 milligrams. You're not going to get that much naturally quercetin out of a rind of a fruit. So quercetin is a thousand milligrams. You only need 300 milligrams of hydroxychloroquine to do the same thing. But quercetin by nature is a supplement. Cheap. You don't need a prescription for it. You can buy it and it works like hydroxychloroquine. Right. Just so you know. And then, and most drugs were made from plant-based molecules. So for example, most people don't know this, I guess, uh, but I've been telling people for years. For example, if you can't sleep, they'll write a drug prescription called Valium. Do you know where they got Valium from? Valium's made from a plant called Valerian root. <laughs> and Valerian root doesn't cause liver damage like Valium does because Valium's not natural. It's a patented molecule, not identical to Valerian root, but they isolated the compound from the plant that helps people to sleep. And then they had to manipulate the molecule, make it a little bit different than actual nature to be able to patent it. So if you want to be able to sleep, just use valerian root. They use the name valerian to come up with the name Valium. But this is 80% of all drugs on the market today are based on plants. Ivermectin, the compound ivermectin, is almost identical to the plant called wormwood. And wormwood's an antiparasitic. It's also a zinc ionophore. You don't need ivermectin to do this. Get wormwood or get quercetin. These two are mirror images of the molecules found in those two drugs. 
you're blowing my mind right now because I've been hearing about all these things. So you're tying it all together. There you go. Cool. Okay, touch real quick on apple pectin, and then I got just one one more. Yeah, lots of people want to know why did I pick apple pectin? Well, this is why. We know inside of the shots, Pfizer and Moderna, there's a chemical called polyethylene glycol 2000. This is actually used in antifreeze. Uh, this actual ingredient, this chemical is proven to actually punch holes in the blood brain barrier to allow the adjuvants or additives inside the shot to get into your brain. So now you got these little spike proteins, they're gonna punch holes in your brain and let those mRNA particles get into your brain and damage nerves. This is why there's so many neurological side effects to the shots, by the way. So anyway, so that's what polyethylene glycol 2000 does. It's chemical. And then in the Johnson and Johnson shot is a drug or a chemical called polysorbate 80. It does the same thing. It punches holes in the blood brain barrier, weakens the blood brain barrier to give access to chemicals, mRNA particles, transgenes, whatever's in the shots to get to your brain and damage neurons. So these are chemicals that are dangerous and toxic to the nervous system. All right, so this is why I put apple pectin in there because there is a chemical that's actually considered to be ionized radiation. It's called cesium-137. And if you don't know what that is, that's okay. But ionized radiation is very dangerous. It kills people. It causes cancer in people. It's actually the nuclear radiation that was a result of the explosion at Chernobyl in Russia that killed millions of people, made diseases in millions of people in Russia. Well, at Chernobyl, scientists figured out that they could use one thing and one thing only to detox from their Russian citizens, this ionized radiation called cesium-137. And they found that this one nutrient, if you put it in the body at 700 milligrams twice a day, it actually binds to ionized radiation as a chemical and then brings it out of the body and the patients then poop it out and pee it out. And then within four weeks, they found 64% of all ionized radiation could be chelated, bound by apple pectin, and then drawn out of the body within four weeks. So when Fukushima happened, the nuclear power plant leak in Japan in 2011, they found within the first two years, there were children, teenagers, and adults. By the thousands, hundreds of thousands, were developing cancers in the thyroid from the exposure to cesium-137 radiation. So what they did was, is they looked to see what did the people in Russia do to actually get the ionized radiation out of their citizens? It was apple pectin. So they've been pumping it into their citizens in Japan and are seeing the same results. Within four weeks, they're seeing 64% of all ionized radiation in just four weeks is drawn out of the body. If they continue that for another month, you draw out 100% of that ionized radiation and they're preventing all cancers from these actual ionized poison chemicals. Now, if apple pectin has the ability to bind to and remove ionized radiation, there ain't nothing in these shots that's as dangerous as ionized radiation. So I put apple pectin in there as a protector to draw out chemicals out of your body that are in these shots to try to protect you as much as possible from disease and death. And is apple pectin different than apple fiber? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, pectin is a fiber. But you got to make sure if you look at the supplement facts panel, you know this from your pantry, make sure it defines it as apple pectin. Okay. People will write me and will say, what about citrus pectin? And I'm like, is apple a citrus fruit? No, that's not the same thing. It is apple pectin powder is what you're looking for. Okay. And vitamin C is also an antitoxin. Absolutely. Each of those four I gave you, magnesium is proven to be an antitoxin, selenium, so is vitamin C. Okay. But apple pectin, that's why I put it in there. Okay. It's miraculous.
Okay, real quick touch on, um, should we be concerned about the shot for our children? Uh, yes, uh, just so you know, uh, there's a few things you need to know. Okay. I did a whole show on it today live on brideon.tv <laughs> yes. for an hour. I talked just about this. I know, I know every one of my questions is like a whole lecture. It is. All right, so what's the concerns with children? Well, if you look at the FDA document from October 22nd, 2020, they actually list one condition that's only for children. It's called multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. If you look up Mayo Clinic and type in MIS-C, it brings up the definition of this condition. This condition, by the way, never existed before 2020, but it's only in children. There are 28 different tissues in the human body, especially in children, that will become so severely inflamed from these shots, including the brain, the eyes, the skin, the spleen, the kidneys, the liver, the heart, the gastrointestinal tract, and they'll become so inflamed, they consider it a lethal side effect called multiple multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. Multi-system means multiple organs in the body will become severely and life-threateningly inflamed all at once. And this has already happened and been reported to the CDC in 4,400 children since the shots were rolled out in December. 40 children have already died. Go to cdc.gov and type in MIS-C in the search engine, and it brings up the statistics. Now, what's interesting is, is they haven't even given the shots to children yet, but they've given it to their parents. They've given it to their grandparents. They've given it to their breastfeeding mother of the baby. And there have already been 4,400 recorded. The spikes for MIS-C started in December of 2020 and peak in January 2020, which is right when they rolled out the new shots. Now, Pfizer right now is asking for an approval from the FDA. Last month, they asked for an approval to give all five to 11-year-olds in this country the Pfizer COVID-19 shot. And that approval is still being waited on by the FDA. The reason why I've been in the media talking about this is I'm warning the entire public, as many as possible, that the FDA knows that MIS-C is a complication of the shot. Don't give it to any of your children. It's already happened to children who have just been exposed to people who have gotten the shot. What do you think is going to happen when they inject 25 billion spike proteins into your children's body? It's, it's crazy. It's, it's insane. Also, they know that there is a, a side effect to the coming COVID-19 shots that is also a common side effect to flu shots in children. And it's also a known side effect of all polio shots in children. And this condition is called acute flaccid myelitis. It's paralyzed legs of children, paralyzed arms of children, paralyzed half of their faces in children. 40% of every child that has this as a side effect never recovers. It's lifelong paralyzation. The COVID-19 shots, the FDA listed Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a polio-like illness. It's identical in description to acute flaccid myelitis in children. It is the same disease, by the way. Guillain-Barre syndrome is paralyzed parts of your arms, legs, half of your faces, looks like Bell's palsy or a stroke. These are all the same side effects and symptoms of acute flaccid myelitis. They just call it in children. Well, the CDC warned last year, August 2020, there was going to be a polio-like illness breakout among children in America, where there was going to be paralyzed legs and arms and half of their faces coming into hospitals all around the nation. And that has been happening since 2014. Well, they already know flu shots do it. They already know COVID-19 shots are going to do it. And they already know that polio shots do it. In fact, the CDC has known that polio shots in children have caused this scenario, this paralyzation of children, since 2001. 
Anybody listen to this? I know you probably think I'm just throwing out all kinds of stuff. Go on any search engine and type in CDC acute flaccid F-L-A-C-C-I-D paralysis Philippines 2001. And you're going to be blown away. The CDC knows that polio derived from polio vaccines in children causes paralyzed children in the Philippines. That was in 2001. Now they're actually talking about doing shots in children ages 5 to 11 in this fall months. Uh, you've all been warned. If any of your children get this shot and you think it's a good idea or your grandchildren go get this shot and you haven't warned them yet and they come out paralyzed, only 60% of them recover with intense daily therapy over a year to be able to walk again or use their arms again. 40% of all of them will be paralyzed for life. This is a known side effect of the shots. Multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children is a side effect to the shots. Myocarditis has already taken the lives of many teenagers in this country, which is heart inflammation within a week or two of getting the Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson shots already reported. It is disgusting and unwarranted. Teenagers typically don't have heart disease, but now all of a sudden within two weeks of shots, they're getting it and some are dying. Now you want to push this on children? Uh, no, I have a huge problem with that. Everybody, you've been warned, please protect your children. Do not let them get a polio shot this year. Don't let them get a flu shot this year. Please do not do these COVID-19 shots. Remember, COVID-19 shots that are mRNA technology have never been given to humans before this year, ever in history. They are experimenting on you. Don't let them do it. I don't know whether to thank you or cry right now. Um, but I do appreciate you um, taking the time to uh, share this information with us. I, I, I'm, I'm, sh I'm shocked that this isn't part of the conversation in the mainstream right now. Um, I believe it was um, um, Einstein that said, science can only flourish in an environment of free speech. And we're not seeing that right now. Um, is, is science not a open-ended, open-minded exploration for the truth? Or is it a tool for bludgeoning other people with our views about things? Can I give you uh, my favorite quote from Albert Einstein now that you quoted him? Yeah, please. He's got some great quotes. This is my favorite of all of them. <clears throat> he says, two things, only two things are infinite. The universe and human stupidity. <laughs> And then he says, I'm less confident in the universe. Which means he's more confident that human stupidity will last and be more infinite than the universe is. Now, human stupidity to me would be ignorance, where people don't dare to look at evidence, to research on their own, to be able to make informed consent decisions on their own. Uh, I just want everybody to know. Uh, my job is to provide you material, provide you information, so you have the opportunity to decide do you think this is good for you, bad for you? Please, please, please protect your child. I think most of us as parents, I have five children. My wife's got three. We've got eight together. I think uh, the most important thing in our own lives would be the perspective of leaving some kind of resemblance of a healthy freedom of choice life behind where their liberties can be respected, but be able to live freely without disease, without pain, without suffering. Uh, there's nothing about injecting something into your child that's mandated that even makes sense that's going to, it's going to provide any kind of benefit to you. And then ask yourself, do you really think that the government of the United States of America 
loves you so much <laughs> that they think this drug is so safe that they have to bribe you to take it, that they have to force you. They love you so much, they're going to make you lose your job to get their shot. They love you so much, they're not going to let you travel. Does, does that sound like love to you? It sounds completely communist in anything other than loving or caring whatsoever. It's crazy because it seems like um, we're doing all the things that are suppressing the immune system. It's like, go hide in a hole and wait for a pharmaceutical to, to save you. You know, instead of doing things that help our immune system, it's almost like the approach that we're using is based on outdated or intentionally wrong um, understandings of health. Um, yeah. And it's like, we're looking at things only through a pharmacological lens and not through the lens of what actually makes people healthy. There's so no let's look. Yeah. So let's look at a common sense lens here to wrap this up. You ready? Yeah. Let's give them some common sense. Okay, let's do it. You know how long the American medical complex has been around and pharmaceutical companies in this country? Do you know how long? Uh, not that long. 140 years. 140 years. That's all. They've been around for 140 years. So they've been around our entire lifetime. Now for your audience, let's, let's, do, let's, do, some, uh, let's do some open dialogue common sense rationale. In the last 140 years, has the American medical complex or the pharmaceutical companies, have they come up yet in 140 years, have they come up and created and discovered a cure for the common cold yet? No. In 140 years, they still haven't come up with a cure for the common cold. Do you know that the common cold viruses are coronaviruses. Mm. Wow, that's a good point. So if they haven't figured out how to cure the common cold, which is not deadly, and it's in been 140 a years. Long time that gave us a lot of time to look into it. That's 140 years they haven't been able to figure that out. They haven't been able to stop the spread of coronaviruses for the last 140 years around the entire world. Do you really think they figured out how to handle this one in one year with the new vaccine? In one year. Actually, it was seven months. Do you really think? Really? Really? Are you really that naive to think they figured it out now? All right. Second one. They have been actually, they don't vaccinate us against the common cold. You know that, right? We don't get common cold vaccines, right? However, there is a virus that the 140-year-old American medical complex, its federal health agencies, and the pharmaceutical companies, they have been trying to squash this one around the world for the last like 40 years. It's called the flu. So they got these, this flu virus that shows up every year around the world. I want to ask you something. Have they cured and got rid of the flu virus using vaccines yet? Have they done it once? Have they stopped it? No. Every year they tell you, you need to get another shot. Why? Because they've never wiped the flu from the planet. They can't do it. They're never going to do it. They've never been able to do it. Do you really think that in less than seven months, they actually figured out how to stop this brand new novel coronavirus they've never seen that came out of a bat cave, out of a viral lab in the Wuhan? Do you really think, you really think that they figured out how to beat it, stop it, kill it off by injecting you with something in seven months. Listen, this medical, this medical complex in 70 years of the American Cancer Society, we have pumped billions of dollars of research into them. Have they found a cure for cancer yet? 
Nope. They haven't figured out a cure for anything other than penicillin killing off bacteria. But that doesn't cure anything. Even if you get a disease process from a bacteria and you kill off the bacteria with penicillin, which is a miraculous antibiotic, your immune system still has to heal that organ for you to recover. It wasn't the drug that did it. Your immune system does it. So there is no drug that cured anything. There are drugs that kill off infections, like ivermectin kills parasites. But the disease processes of the parasites, for example, if you have parasites in your spleen organ, you're going to develop rosacea on your face and lupus eventually. If you kill off the parasites with ivermectin over a two-month period, you don't reverse the autoimmune disease in two months. That's evidence of damage to the spleen. You have to actually feed your body minerals and vitamins to repair the spleen over the next three to six months. And your body does it all on its own. And then your rosacea and lupus disappear. You understand this? The drugs don't cure people. They kill off infections in some people, but they've never had a vaccine ever cure any condition ever. They still exist. I mean, they've been pumping measles vaccines throughout the entire world. Have you not heard about measles outbreaks still going on sometimes? They obviously haven't cured it. They haven't wiped it from the planet. They have not figured out how to wipe one virus from this entire planet. Stop believing the hype that this one miracle shot is going to stop coronaviruses. It's not going to do it. They've never figured out a cure for the common cold in 140 years. They didn't do it now. They're wow. just trying to sell you on something that they created. Wow, that's a really good point. I haven't thought about that. That's pretty, that is common sense uh, question yeah. there. Okay, so in closing, tell me, if you could have set the rules for how to respond to COVID, how the world responded to COVID, what would it have looked like? And then tell me what your, any final thoughts, advice, or encouragement for my audience and um, is there hope? Uh, yes, there is hope. I have hope. It's all you can have is hope, right? I'm not going to let them demoralize me or make me scared that the whole world's going to change. No, uh, I don't like bullies. I don't like liars. I don't like murderers. I'm sure people in Germany for like six years were like, are we ever going to survive this war? Six years is a long time. We're only like 17 months into this one and it's getting old and tiring, and, but there's still enough of us fighting it. How would I have handled this from the beginning if it was me? I would have done exactly what China did, to be honest. China in January 2020 published research studies, figured out that they could beat the entire COVID pneumonia situation with intravenous vitamin C. If I was going to do anything medically, it would have been IV vitamin C. And then China, when they figured out how good that worked, they actually bought up tons of vitamin C, oral vitamin C, and gave it to all their citizens for the entire year of 2020 to beat this. They didn't have to sit at home and inject it in their veins. They just swallowed it, which is what we're telling you to do. Do you know how many people died in China? They have 1.7 billion people in that country. Do you know how, many, you know how many people died in the whole year of 2020? And now still, they have less than 5,000 people that have died in the entire pandemic. America has 704,000. Do you wanna know why? We're not using vitamin C. And we're actually pumping you full of remdesivir and intubating you in a hospital. That's why. Uh, and even today, you'll hear doctors in hospitals say, vitamin C is not approved. Oh, yeah, really? China figured out how to beat the whole thing in one month. <laughs> we still we still don't want to do that. We still want to drug people and kill them. A couple stats that are just amazing to me. America has 4.5% of the entire world's population. Do you know that America consumes, swallows, or injects into their body every year, 45% of all pharmaceutical drugs the entire world makes. 
We consume half of all of the entire world's drugs every year. These aren't no, made up stats. We're, not we're the most the drug country in the world. Yeah, we're not only the sickest, but we're the most medicated. That's right. We are the sickest, by the way. If you look at the 43 industrialized nations, we rank first in medical healthcare expenditures. We spend more money in healthcare than any other country in the world. When it comes to diseases and infant mortality, we rank 42nd out of 43. We are the sickest. We are the most diseased. We're obviously the most dead from COVID-19 treatments, but it wasn't ever the infection that killed us. It was the drugs we used to kill us. Every drug has side effects of kidney failure and liver disease. If you've ever listened to any commercial radio or TV for any drug commercial ever, they say, ask your doctor if this drug is right for you after they tell you all the horrible side effects. And then they say this, make sure your doctor checks your kidney and your liver functions often once you start taking our drug. This is their legal jargon of how they actually are told legally they have to convey to the audience that this drug can cause kidney and liver failure. So they put it off on the consumer. You, make sure your doctor checks your liver and kidney functions often once you start taking this. Why? Every pharmaceutical drug in the world, if you take it every day for three months, you will start to develop kidney failure and liver failure. Why do you think there's so many dialysis clinics in the country now? Why do you think Warren Buffett 20 years ago knew to invest in dialysis clinics around the country? Because he could see how many pharmaceutical drugs Americans and baby boomers were taking. And he knew there was going to be more and more kidney failure as we continued to push drugs on more and more of our people. So don't you feel like this is almost like a last desperate attempt for this um, kind of archaic way, pharmacological way of dealing with health, you know, and like um, we have all this science now about like what actually makes people healthy. Don't you feel like maybe like we're on the verge of a health revolution and, and that maybe we're going to see those who are lusting for power, profit, and control to, um, you know, my, this is my hope and, and prayer is that this gets overturned and that we have like a, a health revolution and um, in, in this country and in the world and people, um, you know, we actually get some of these breakthroughs and start to get some of this education about nutrition and holistic health, mental health, spiritual health, um, and, and get that going. Um, what, so just, um, you know, I just, in final thoughts, I just, you know, saying that I just really appreciate you taking the time and going into depth on this stuff for, for me and, the, and my audience and the people in my community. And, um, very welcome. And, um, thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for standing up and putting your neck on the line, um, and being willing to do that and seeing something that was worth, that was worth risking, risking it all for. You know, there's a lot of people who have fought and bled and died in trenches for freedom. I think the least we can do at this moment in time is put our livelihoods on the line. It's very true. This is, this is all I have to say. My, la my last things to tell you. If, for hope for you, I would put your trust always in God and what he created over what man created. Please stop putting your faith in these creations of men that think they can actually make the human body work better than what God created it to do. I mean, God put on this earth everything the human body needs to be as healthy as possible and to avoid all diseases. Then man came along and they decided they could create chemicals to make it all better. Uh, and it, it really gets kind of old to watch at least a Protestant nation like America, supposedly, who believes God's all-knowing, all-perfect, all-omniscient, that he created a human body 
on day six that was so fallible that it needed so many man's interventions to make it work better. I mean, we actually behave in America. This is not a joke. I'm just going to say this. Let's break it down to the common sense. All of the parents watching this who have vaccinated their children on day one when they're born with the hepatitis B vaccine, all of you behave as if God created something, a baby, in the womb of you or your loved one. You all behave like God created something on day six and he totally screwed it up. You guys all act like he forgot to put an immune system in there, in that baby. And thank God man came up with vaccines to inject in your baby the first day he was born to give it an immune system. When in reality, God never forgot anything. God created that baby perfectly. Man convinced you that he could make that baby better. You need to take our drug. When it's totally bogus and ridiculous the hepatitis B virus, for example, that they inject on day one. This is a criminal act that denatures and destroys the neurological tissues, hearts, livers, pancreases of all these babies and hearts you give it to. Hepatitis B virus, for all those who don't know, you only get it in two places. You only get it from having sex with other people and you only get it from doing drugs intravenously shot into your veins, street drugs. I want to ask you, how many babies do you know in hospitals are actually having sex or doing drugs intravenously in the nursery? Zero. Do you know how long hepatitis B vaccines provide immunity for? I bet you don't. It's 12 years max. Now I need to ask you something. Why is it so urgent to vaccinate a baby on day one for a virus that you get from having sex and from doing intravenous street drug use? when it only gives you immunity for the first 12 years of life. How many of you can tell me who are watching this, how many of you actually know a child 12 years and younger in America who's actually had sex or done drugs? I can't even name one. There might be some, but I don't know any. You, folks, you heard it here tonight. You heard it here. Don't, babies don't have sex and they don't do street drugs and trust in God, not man. Okay, so tell me, tell me, Dr. Ars, I, I would look, so I, I'm going to get that information from you. I'm going to get it to, to everybody, and then also, so be looking for that, everybody, and then also, how can people find you? Just tell me one more time how people can find you, your show, your products. Go to thedrartistshow.com, T-H-E-D-R-A-R-D-I-S-show.com. If you want to look at the actual products we have, go to the Shop Now page. If you need, if you have any loved ones that have acne, they don't have to have acne. You also don't need to drug them for acne. You do not have acne because you're uh, deficient in Accutane. No one ever had acne because of that. So go to artistlabs.com and check out our store there and uh, buy our natural kit that helps remove acne safely, effectively. And the topicals, the cleanser and the acne treatment cream, they have none of the chemicals. You can see them on our homepage. None of the chemicals yeah. other acne brands have that cause cancer, infertility, and birth defects. And all the other acne brands have them in them. And I encourage you all to go watch the Dr. Artist Show, drartistshow.com. Um, a lot of great episodes, a lot of great recent ones. And, and again, thank you so much, Dr. Artist. God bless you. Thank you for all you do. And, and uh, I'll go, I'll end the show now, but I'll, uh, I'd like to chat with you just a couple minutes after. It's great. Thanks. Thanks everybody for joining us for the Vibrant You Health Show, episode 12 with Dr. Brian Artis. Um, remember, invest in your health because your health is the greatest wealth and you are worth it. Thank you, sir, so much. Have a good night, everybody. You're very welcome. Good night.
This podcast does not provide medical advice. The information, including but not limited to, text, graphics, images, and other material contained on this website and podcast are for informational purposes only. No material on this podcast and the associated website is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your doctor or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen and never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've read on this website or heard on this podcast. The opinions on this show are those of the host and the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of Nature's Pantry.